Hello and welcome back to the Ireland Football Finds podcast. It's a new year. Ireland have two new coaches added to the managerial ticket and we have three games to look forward to at the end of March. I'm joined again by Mark Kennedy and Philip Flanagan and we're going to look ahead to the players we think should be included in Stephen Kenny's squad, which is apparently going to be named next week. We're going to talk about the under-21 friendly against Wales, who could be involved in that and who could possibly be brought up to play for the senior team and in the friendly against Qatar. Lads, it's good to talk to you again. How are you? Yeah, great, Joe. All good now. How are you, lads? How are you, Joe? How are you, Mark? How's things? All good? Yeah, good, good. So if we start with the senior team, we're looking forward to three games at the end of the month. Our first two qualifiers uh, for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. And we'll start with a, an away game, which is probably the most important game of the qualifiers, in my opinion, uh, away to Serbia on the 24th before returning to Dublin to face Luxembourg on Saturday the 27th. And we finish the month with a friendly against the World Cup hosts themselves, Qatar. Uh, originally, the game was going to take place in Dublin, but due to travel restrictions and a possibility that Aviva Stadium could see fans allowed in in the second half of the year, the fixture has been reversed. And instead, we're going to play in the Brecon in Hungary. Apparently, Stephen Kenny isn't going to name his squad until the day after St. Patrick's Day, the 18th, which leaves the team uh, less than a week before the first qualifier uh, against Serbia, which will take place on Wednesday the 24th. Mark, this is a little surprising. Um, As we know, uh, an international fixture in the best of times involves a lot of logistics, you know, liaising, liaising with the respective clubs for each player, flights, hotel, transport, all this has to be arranged. In the current ongoing pandemic, everything has changed. But it still feels like a, a very short turnaround from naming the squad to actually playing the game. It, it does, Joe, certainly. Yeah, it's less than, less than a week before uh, the opening uh, encounter. Yeah, I, I think you may have hit the nail on the head, though, with the COVID-19 situation again basing themselves in the UK for the most part it's indicating to me that the squad there's not going to be any kind of net new surprises maybe perhaps you know electricity league players being omitted as well given the UK base where they're going to group uh, first off so yeah it does kind of leave a little bit of margin for error I suppose again could be to do with form of players as well maybe coming into the equation a bit and also injuries may kind of come in as well, you know, if you're announcing it two or three weeks before having to kind of rejig. So it does feel a bit late, but uh, there may be mitigating circumstances here for sure. Phil, Serbia have a new manager and a legendary player in Dragan Stojkovic. Uh, he's already named his extended squad for the for their two games uh, against ourselves. And then the same night that we play Luxembourg, they're playing uh, group top seeds and favourites, Portugal. Since the end of their qualifying campaign for Euro 2020 or Euro 20 that's actually taking place in 2021, uh, when they went out to Scotland, they've had some pretty positive results, including dumping Russia 5-0 at home. Uh, I was a little surprised at the change in manager, 
but do you think that the change itself is going to be an advantage or a disadvantage to us? It's it's hard to know, but one thing's for sure, he seems to know exactly what he wants and expects out of the squad. Like he he made no qualms about dropping some some senior players straight away out of that team. Um Kolarov, Matic and Mahidovic from Palace are all gone. Um so he's obviously going in a new direction. He's bringing younger players through. So it's it's hard to know until we come up against them. But he seems to have an idea of what he wants. And just going back to your point about leaving the squad announcement so late with with only a week with Kenny, that kind of has a bang of I'm not really sure what I want off it for me. Is it a case that he's not sure who he's gonna have in there, or is he gonna be picking players on form? So yeah, like Serbia seem to know what what they want and what direction they're going to go in, it seems, judging by the squad he's picked. Yeah, I'm not really sure what he's going to learn in the next round of fixtures that he doesn't already know. Maybe, you know, he's hedging his bets that someone, uh, say, Seamus Coleman might return from injury or, you know, he's hoping he can't, doesn't want to call someone up in case he jinxes them and they pick up an injury uh, this weekend. Just looking through Serbia's squad, there's not a lot of goals in it. Only captain Dusan Tadic and vice captain Alexander Mitrovic have more than 10 goals, um, with 16 and 36 respectively. Real Madrid's Luka Jovic, who's currently on loan at Eintracht Frankfurt, has five goals, uh, including two against Russia in that, in that win I mentioned earlier. OK, we can talk about the game itself after we've named our respective squads. I'm going to start just with the goalkeepers and... Defenders. Um, I don't think there's going to be too many shocks here. I've plumped for Darren Randolph, Cuevin Keller, and Mark Travers. I think that uh, Gavin Bazunu, these two games are coming a bit too early for him. And I think he'll play with the under 21s against Wales. Or if there was a bigger gap between their friendly against Wales and the qualifier against Luxembourg. I'd expect him to be called up for that game. There's still a chance he could appear in the friendly against Qatar, but for now, I think he, he's better with the, the under-21 squad. Uh, in terms of the actual defence itself, uh, I've gone for Matt Doherty, Seamus Coleman, Tommy Hoban, called up for his, his first squad, Kieran Clark, Darrell O'Shea, Connor McCarthy from St. Mirren, Andy Stevens, and Cyrus Christie. Mark, what do you think, and and who have you? Who do you think Stephen Kenny is going to name? Yeah, I, I kind of go along familiar lines. I suppose key one there in goalkeeper would be Kelleher. Is he still out injured, or I know he had a minor niggle there a few weeks ago. Um, I'd agree with you though with Gavin Bazuna. You know, we've talked about him at length here in this podcast. I think he's a terrific talent. Now, granted, Rochdale have had a pretty wretched run of form, but nothing to do with Bazunu. Um, so I'd go along with what you've gone there in the goalkeeping ranks. Uh, in terms of defenders, yeah, again, probably Ryan Manning probably comes into the squad, reckoning a little bit from Swansea, uh, just to kind of some someone new, something different. He's been in that Swansea squad for the last few weeks, you know, really has impressed. But I think along with the, your names there, Tommy Hoban, I think definitely well merited. Yeah, going along familiar lines and, you know, that March 18 selection, it's not indicating to me that there's going to be any 
left field squad inclusions here. So yeah, I go along with most of that, Joe. To be honest, Phil, I guess the same question: like who, uh, who do you think is going to be in the squad named by Stephen Kenny, and what do you think of the the players that I've named there? I would bring Bizunu. I don't think there'd be any harm. I don't know how well Travers club career is going at the moment it seems to have stalled and Bazunu is at least you know playing he's playing a lot he's playing well for Rochdale it's a friendly against Wales for the under 21s I'd nearly bring him to the Serbia game for the two games instead to give him that bit of experience I don't think there's any harm like his career has just been going up and up and up since he left City you know on loan so I don't see the harm like it's not like he's going to miss too much with the under 21s It'd be an interesting one if you asked the player, would you like to start for the under-21s or would you like to go with the senior squad? It's hard to know. Maybe he'd like to play, but I couldn't see any harm in bringing him. Just in the defence there, I don't know about Tommy Hoban. Personally, I can't see him getting called up. Possibly Kevin Long and Daryl Enhan as well at Blackburn, who seems to be playing well lately. So besides that, everything else, yeah... um, you mentioned Manning as well, but I don't think there'd be too many surprises. I would be surprised if Hoban got called up, but Clark, you've Clark there as well. You see, Clark hasn't really played under Kenny either, so he's another one. If, if the big question is who's going to go in beside beside Duffy, if you're just going to presume Duffy starts, but I don't think there'd be too many too many surprises. He'll probably just go for experienced players more than Anton. Would Daryl Lennon come into the equation, guys? I know. He's got the good age profile, played regularly with Blackburn Rovers, you know. He's, seems pretty yeah, solid. he's playing well with Blackburn lately. Yeah. Uh, I think so. It's, it's, I think uh, Derek Williams moved to LA Galaxy as well. You know, it's it's good for him, but it's a little bad for us because he basically can't leave the US at the moment. Um, so I, I don't think he's going to add to his caps for Ireland. Uh, at least until the end of the year, I think he would have been an interesting call-up for the the extended squad as well. If we go back to Kenny's last few squads, he didn't actually pick that many defenders. To remember, he didn't pick yeah. that many centre backs. So you've got you know you've got Doherty, Coleman. You would imagine Clark, O'Shea, Stevens, Christie. One, two, three, four, five, six. That's six. Like he mightn't pick too many others. You might have the likes of. Maybe Manning or Lennon. That that could be it. Like he, he like he might do what he did before and not pick that many. He only picked three centre backs the last time around, I think, didn't he? Yeah, and I think yeah. Daryl Shea is a a utility player who can you know can fill in uh, across the back as well. Although yeah. he's he's recognised mostly as the fullback now. Yeah, so he could he could take he could take a spot from from a potential Manning say or or even a Hoban. Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if he if he if he stays thin on that. I didn't actually name Shane Duffy uh, in defence. Um, Did you not? No, I didn't. I just assumed you did. Sorry. I think I think he needs to be taken out of the the public eye for a little bit. His the loan at Celtic isn't going well. He's not starting games for what is an average Celtic side at the moment. He's obviously been suffering a lot uh, on social media as well with abuse and uh, I think he just needs a break although I think Kenny will pick him 
he shouldn't really be even near the starting eleven, but you know he's going to be straight in there. He's played nearly every game for Kenny. One of the stranger stats that I discovered when I was doing the research for our, our indie year review was that he's attempted and completed the most passes under Stephen Kenny um, and has the highest passing percentage, which is, for a centre half, is is strange. You were saying that the team are playing better football under the new manager, that they're they're passing a lot more, but then when you realise that it's actually your centre half who's making the most passes, I mean, does that mean that is he passing to his to his defensive partner as he passed maybe to the, the midfielder in front of him. I can't justify picking Shane Duffy ahead of Dara O'Shea or Kieran Clark, uh, certainly to start at the moment. He's only started one of Celtic's games since the beginning of February. I just wanted to take him out of the firing line, basically. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be a gutsy call from Stephen Kenny if he actually did make that decision, you know, given that he's ever-present captain as well in the absence of Seamus Coleman as well. So, but yeah, I do see your points there, Joe, form-wise. But again, Shane Duffy's a guy that's never let the side down, you know, internationally. And again, he's trapped from set-piece as well. <laughs> Dare I say, we haven't even got to the strikers yet, but, you know, we could be looking for a set-piece or two. I feel as well that having him on the pitch from set-pieces makes us really one-dimensional. You know, our, our set-piece strategy. And look, if you have a player of his size and his ability in the air then by all means make use of it. But don't make use of it in every single free kick and corner it's taken. And I know the only goal we've scored under Stephen Kenny was a Shane Duffy header from a corner. I know the the top scorer under the new manager. Um, but, you know, it, it feels like the opposition know what we're going to do because we're not doing anything else. So, you know, maybe you could spring some something of a surprise uh, on the opponents, on the teams we're going to face. Spoiler, um, Joe puts him in at centre forward. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> um, no, I, yeah, I think the rest of the, the team kind of picks itself. But Mark, uh, who are you looking to see in midfield? It'll be interesting. I mean, probably Conor Horahan leaps out. His performances since he switched Swansea have been nothing short but exceptional. Jason Knight, big fan of his, I think has to be included. Jeff Hendricks is, you know, probably one of the marquee kind of squad members for Kenny. He'd come in. Josh Cullen, Anderlecht, you know, he's been pretty prominent in the last few months, you know, for Vincent Company. Again, Alan Brown being very consistent with Preston. Yeah, then I suppose you've got question marks then, you know, James McCarthy I'd love to see in the squad, but again, Nigel against Manchester United, is he going to be available? And, you know, unfortunately, Jack Byrne misses out. Does Harry Hart come into contention as well? Jason Malumby as well, probably, comes into the reckoning. Those would kind of be my key guys there. I don't know if it's worth kind of maybe looking at the under-21 squad, maybe, potentially, to see uh, anyone coming through there, like Will Ferry, but or Conor Ronan, but uh, to be honest, uh, yeah, the, I think the usual names probably will come to the to the squad sheet here. Well, I've or I think that uh, Aidan McGeady's recent form for Sunderland deserves a call up. Maybe a little controversial because he's playing in in League One, but he's playing really well in League One. He's had a number of assists, uh, including assisting each goal in in a hat trick recently. And look, he's I. 
it's something I've always said about Aidan McGeady is that he's the kind of player that we just don't produce. And I don't think there's anyone else really available to us at the moment that can do what he is doing on a regular basis for Sunderland. I think he's in form and I think he deserves uh, to be restored to the to the national side. Yeah, Mark, I agree with you. I think Conor Horan's move to Swansea has been beneficial for club and player. Um, he's scoring again, he's playing again, which he wasn't doing either at Aston Villa. Maybe at the end of the season, they can, he can sit down with the management at the Liberty Stadium and thrash out a, a full transfer to the Welsh side because I don't think he's going to get an opportunity back at Aston Villa. I'm not really sure if he can play the same role that he does for Swansea, for Ireland. I think they're kind of playing him in a withdrawn striker role and obviously he's their, their set-piece taker. But given Stephen Kenny's admiration, shall we say, of the, the 4-3-3 formation, I don't know where he exactly he would fit into that. Uh, similar to Conor McCarthy, uh, I think Jamie McGrath has been excellent for St Mirren this season and I think he deserves a call-up as well. Kenny obviously would be familiar with him from his time at Dundalk. He's in good form with uh, with the buddies and uh, I think I'd, I'd like to see him called up just to, to show what he can do maybe for the, for the national side. I agree with you that Jason Knight should be in the squad. You know, he's... Uh, obviously he still qualifies for the under-21s, but I think he'd be wasted there. Uh, he's been a, a real bright spark for Derby when Rooney seems to be really impressed with him and you know says he reminds him of the, the former England striker at the same age. He's playing regularly in the Championship, could possibly get a move to the Premier League uh, in the summer, but uh, yeah, I think he should be in, in, involved with the national side. And finally, yeah, Josh Cullen... Kind of similar to Horahan's move to Swansea, his move to Belgium to play for Vincent Company at Anderlecht um, has been an absolutely phenomenal move for, for the club and for the player. It did look like he was going to get a look in at Boyhood Club West Ham and the reviews coming in from from the Belgian press and from the Anderlecht fans uh, speak really highly of him. So uh, he could make a make a name for himself as the defensive midfielder in that in the 4-3-3 formation and I think it doesn't look like we're going to see James McCarthy called up uh, Roy Hodgson is, has said that it's extremely unlikely that he will be available for the national side so there's definitely um, a spot there for um, for that type of player and uh, finally uh, Jeff Hendrick um it's kind of getting included almost by default at the moment. He seems to have carried his farm for Burnley into Newcastle, which is you know he's sporadically brilliant, and but you know a lot goes seems to go missing a lot during games as well. But I think that Stephen Kenny has actually gotten quite a lot out of him in the game so far. So yeah, I think he'll be he'll be named in the manager squad in a in a week's time. We come to the the strikers then, Phil. So. Uh, who do you expect to see up front? Can I just go back to the midfield for a minute? Sure. I like. I agree with everybody you've basically picked there. Um, if he doesn't go with someone fresh in the midfield, we could be goose from the start. If he goes out and he plays Brady, Horan, and Hendrick, it's it's not going to be a great sign. He's got a fella there in in Jason Knight, who is 
one of the next big things in English football. Like he's like he's absolutely lauded by Wayne Rooney. He's thirty three appearances this season. He's more appearance than any Irish player in in England. You know, he is solid. He is solidly consistent. He's young. If it was Wales or any other team, he'd be straight in the team. So I think to not put him straight in would be we're not really going anywhere if we don't change it. So, like, I wouldn't even think of him as a fringe player. I'd agree with everyone else. Horan, I suppose, is playing himself into form. Adam Brown is playing a lot for Preston as well. You mentioned Hendrick, and Hendrick hasn't really done anything since he's moved to Newcastle. There has to be a bit of a shake-up. So just to the forwards, I suppose the big question is, like, it's probably going to be Connolly. I'd expect him to bring Collins as well. Um, long outside of that you know this, we don't have we don't have a lot of goals Callum Robinson obviously on, on one of the wings Horgan who's playing a lot for Wickham and probably O'Dowd I don't think there's going to be any big surprises has Troy Parrott done enough it's hard to know Adam Idas had 16 games this season he's not really pulling up any trees at Norwich um, so I don't think we're going to see any anything, anything out of the ordinary there. Can't see a place for Maguire either. So it's it, there's not going to be too many surprises. I kind of nearly wish the situation up front was kind of happening in our midfield because Kenny's hands are tied to kind of playing some younger players like Connolly, whereas in midfield he can get away with playing some of the older lads and not taking a risk. Yeah, I don't think there's any big surprises up front unless you have... A striker in your pocket that I don't know about. Well, just on that, David McGoldrick recently, and look, this is probably putting two and two together and getting five, but he did recently change his profile photo on Instagram to one with him wearing the Ireland jersey, and he's deleted the image he shared when he announced his retirement. Look, people read different things from social media activity every day. Players change their profile photos, you know, almost on a week-to-week basis. So, like, Mark, look, we'd welcome David McGoldrick back right now, but there probably isn't anything in him making these changes to his Instagram account other than he made some changes on Instagram. Yeah, I'd be very surprised to see him back in the fold so soon um, because he's been in good form. Um, Yeah, going back to Phil's kind of assessment... Troy Parrott to me, I think he's still finding his feet, guys, isn't he? They'd like that Millwall move, I think it was an unmitigated disaster from start to finish, you know. Injured in preseason, Gary Road looking for results, went for Sikori instead of Parrott and then basically plonked Parrott in the middle of the park. At least with Ipswich Town, he's getting a chance to express himself. Granted, Paul Lambert's gone and, uh, you know, Paul Cook now in charge, which may be a good thing for Troy Parrott. Yeah, I agree with everything else. Shane Long, um, is he worth it in Cooten? Definitely getting his game time with Bournemouth at the moment. The one guy I would basically highlight here, and you're probably going to laugh at me here, is League Two, Owen Doyle, Bolton Wanderers. He scored 15 goals this season. He's had a good, rich run of form in League Two. I know we've kind of said about levels and everything else, but in fairness, if a guy is rich in goal-scoring form, we're not being truly blessed with people you know, scoring regularly. Is it worth kind of a I've said it, sir. No left field inclusions, but I think that out of a lot, uh, we need something to change in terms of upfront movement. Doyle, very pacey, 
hitting off the last man might be worth an inclusion. Um, that would be the only kind of wild card I could possibly think of here. Yeah, uh, Owen Doyle, I mean, he definitely knows how to find the back of the net. He's had a solid goal-scoring record in the, the, the lower leagues in England for, oh, 10 years now at least, I'd say. And he definitely would be a, a left-field inclusion. I don't think anyone would really object to it. If we're going to be picking players on form, if we're going to be picking players who are finding the back of the net, then, yeah, he the, he might be the, the actual, the obvious choice. I've gone for broadly the same players as, as yourselves. I've gone for Callum Robinson, Shane Long, Connolly. But I think Troy Parrott might be better served with the under-21s. Kind of similar to what he's facing at Ipswich at the moment. If he plays for Ireland, if he starts for the senior team, he's going to be expected to score. And if he doesn't score, that's one more game where he hasn't scored. So I think he might actually be better off with the under-21s. So um, I actually think Scott Hogan of Birmingham could sure. be worth uh, a call-up. Um, he's having uh, he's not having a bad season. Um, he's four goals since the turn of the year. Um, he's six in total, which is less than James Collins' is 10, but he's only scored once uh, since the 1st of January. Um, so kind of similar to... To Mark mentioned Owen Doyle there. He's not a striker in form, but he is a striker who's who is scoring well, he's scoring more than our than our other strikers. Shane Long, uh, the move to Bournemouth seems to be working out for him. He did he scored twice um in two games in his third and fourth appearance uh on the South Coast, but he's three goal three games without a goal now. So I think if he does get called up and you know, given his his age, he could be looking at a, a substitutes role. I think the Serbia game might be the only time he sees action. Uh, I would like to see some more experimentation done for the the games against Luxembourg and Qatar. But the Serbia game really is the is the game where we're going to need someone of his experience and ability. Just to to our listeners, who do you think is going to be included in the squad? Is there is there anyone we've missed out? Could someone like Jake Doyle Hayes get a call up? Um, just let us know. You can reach out to us uh, across our social media channels, and we'd be interested to to know what you think. Turning to the games themselves, I said when the draw was made that this game away to Serbia is probably the most important game in the in the qualifiers. Uh, I don't expect us to get anything against Portugal in the two games in September and November. Portugal, I think everyone, we can all agree, are going to top the group, possibly unbeaten. So we're going to be battling it with Serbia for second spot um, and the chance in, uh, in the playoffs. But if we come away from Belgrade uh, without a point, then... That's the qualifiers over as far as we're concerned. I think a, a win is unlikely and a draw is probably the best result we can hope for. And that when we face them again in Dublin in September, we'll have a better chance of getting getting a win and uh, pushing them into third and taking the second spot ourselves. Mark, what are your thoughts on the, the first qualifier? Yeah, it's definitely a key one. Again, granted, we've talked about Serbia, new coach, but new coach takes time for players to bet in under a new system for this uh, new manager. And 
as Philip has quite rightly said, he's uh, wielded the axe fairly quickly on experienced players here. So it might be the worst time to play Serbia. Again, need to be, you know, really on it, keeping it pretty tight defensively. Yeah, we can't lose that game, really, can we, guys? You know, literally, with the Portugal home and away games, they look daunting enough, given the squad depth of Portugal. And again, if we're losing to Serbia in Belgrade, then the onus then is on us to get a result in Dublin, which our past history with Serbia doesn't bode well in that respect. So, yeah, it's it's a key game. Maybe it's an opportune time to play Serbia as well. Granted, it's more optimism here. Glass half half full for me than half empty at this stage. Phil, given that we're struggling to score under a new manager and we've kept a few clean sheets, and that you know we can, as I said, as we've said, we can't come away from Belgrade with a loss. Do you think that Stephen Kenny might alter his formation a little bit more? We might see five in midfield or even uh, in defence? Yeah, it's it's possible. Like, ideally, this is a, a brand new qualification tournament. Like, so really what you want to see is a, a whole new kind of fresh approach from the outlook. Um, he needs to tweak his tactics. We need a lot of younger players in the team. Is the Serbia game, like normally, in normal circumstances, you say do it from the start. And I would kind of of the opinion that he should but when you look at the way the fixtures are as you said Serbia away is massive like we're kind of used if we lose so we have Serbia on the 24th we have you know a winnable game against Luxembourg at home on the 27th big gap then to September until Portugal so does he keep his powder dry and just maybe not try and re you know reevaluate the tactics until then and just see how we are in September so it wouldn't surprise me to see Duffy, Horan, Brady, Hendrick, Long, Connolly, you know, the same kind of shtick as before without any big changes because the way the fixtures are set out and there's so much time until the end of the season and it's obviously the new season will have started by then. I personally like to see the likes of O'Shea in there straight away and put him in from the start. I like to see Kelleher in there from the start. I'd like to see Knight in there from the start because they're the future. Like, and they're Bar Kelleher, who's obviously he's injured now. They're playing football. They're playing solid club football at a good level. So there's no reason. Like, why not put Knight in there instead of Hendrick? Like, are Newcastle that much better than Derby? Hendrick has 18 appearances with Newcastle this season. They're struggling along. They could get relegated. Like, Jason Knight's playing with Derby. Is there much of a gap? There's not really that much of a gap. So I like to see the the spine of the team totally change. But will he do it against Serbia? Probably not because of the way the fixtures are laid out. And it is kind of understandable. Like if he does manage to get like a a draw, then there's there's hope then that by the time they come back to Lansdowne Road, that the team would have a different look and they'd be more settled. So it's, it's hard to know. It's often said that the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And uh, look, I think if we play 4-3-3 against Serbia, then it, to me it means that Kenny hasn't learned anything in the last almost year in charge of the national side. Anyone watching the team since August would know that the formation 
isn't working either because it just doesn't suit the players or because you know the manager isn't getting his his ideas across or you know there could be something else that we don't know about something that I, something else that I did notice um in the the build up to our end of year review was that Wales actually played three at the back against us for the first time uh, in their uh, in the, the Nations League. They played four at the back up to that. And instead of playing four across the middle, they played five. And I was just wondering, was that because they knew we were going to play three across the middle? And if they played five, they would just outnumber us and the ball wouldn't get to our front three to put pressure on their back three. Because we're going to be faced with the same tactic as well, Joe, from Serbia. Serbia do like to play three at the back. You know, three five two, particularly with Mitrovic up front, Tadic kind of pulling strings uh, on the flank as well. So, you know, the question for Stephen Kenny here really is that maybe that false nine position. Who does he kind of best think is equipped? Uh, more than likely, is he going with Adam Ida here, guys? Uh, what do you think on that? Or should it be Shane Long? But seeing as he's kind of really consistently gone for Adam, it's probably him in Belgrade, surely. So, but um, we're, we're definitely going to need a little bit more from the final third, surely. You know, not really depending on the set piece. I just wonder how much you can probably ascertain or, you know, improve upon on a training ground, you know, how many days before an international. So. Um, one of one of the frustrating things is like there's nothing wrong with four three three, like there isn't. But if you're playing players that can't or haven't adapted to to that system that you like to play, you need to change them if you do believe in it so much. So like we we all know that Duffy is Duffy should be nowhere near the starting eleven. You know for one. Obviously, as Joe mentioned, he's like he's horribly out of form. He's probably the most out of form Irish player ever. Like I've never seen such a dip. When he did start during at the start of Kenny's reign, we could all see that he was struggling with the ball playing out from the back. Joe also brought up the stats about the passing and where those passes were going. So like Kenny has had eight games or whatever it is to see that that hasn't worked. He's got Darrell O'Shea there. He's got Kieran Clark there, who are better with their feet. If he wants to keep four three three, fine. That's his. That's his system. But you have to play the players that are better suited. And like Darrow Shea from the off is better suited. And then maybe when Egan comes back, Egan obviously would start him beside him. So he either has to do one or the other. He has to change the formation or he has to change the personnel. Like four three three, Wales played the five against us. That's because they saw like our three. What was our three that day? I'm not sure, but like it was probably a variation of Brady, Hendrick, Horan, McCarthy. You know, it's the same lads slogging around, not much pace, not looking for the ball off the centre backs. Whereas if you have a four three three with a young player like Knight or even Malumbi who have the energy, are willing to run up and down the pitch, come take the ball, look up, pick a pass. It's not that it's not rocket science. So he has to change one or the other. Like, there's no point playing 4-3-3 and playing Duffy and playing Hendrick and all these lads again. Like, we've seen that show. It's rubbish. It doesn't work. He knows that. So it's it's one or the other. So he has a big decision to make, like, with which way he goes. I said before, I said, if you, if you see a very similar lineup to what we were playing in the last couple of games as, as regards senior players... I think he's he's kind of just holding on to his job. 
he's not really going, oh, well, after this qualification, we'll be better. He's kind of going, well, let's try and qualify him. At least I'll get something out of it. So he, he's big calls to make there. Moving on from the Serbia game, um, if we look at the qualifier against Luxembourg and the friendly against Qatar, it's, like I said, it's a shame that the under-21 friendly against Wales is the day before the qualifier against Luxembourg because there was a possibility uh, with more of a, a gap between the two that maybe someone like Troy Parrott or Adam Ida could be given uh, a chance with the under-21s to get some confidence back, maybe to, to score and then be brought in for the, the senior team. Um, another name that you know, has been mentioned um, has been Getafe's John Joe Patrick Finn. Stephen Crawford, the under-21 manager, has spoken with him and, and seemed to come away feeling very positive uh, about that conversation. At 17, he's still very young, but you'd have to think that uh, a player appearing regularly in the Premier League should be able to handle a friendly against Wales for the under-21s and possibly a friendly for the senior team against Qatar. Do you think he's worth a call-up? You know, I feel like we know this kid inside out. We've been talking about this kid for the last few podcast episodes. Look, FEI, stop the dithering. Just slot him in. Let's see, uh, run the rule over him on a training camp and give him maybe 30 minutes, 30, 40 minutes to impress. This is a friendly, after all, against Wales. See what the potential is. I would definitely not hesitate here. As you say, Getafe, you know, Premier La Liga. Yeah, nothing to lose here. And, you know, Crawford can spin all he wants in terms of being positive. Let's put the let's put the asset test here. Let's look to select him and see if he or his agent or representative uh, think no different. Um, yeah, because we have been guilty of the passive kind of dealing with underage talent like this. And really, one thing or another, these players have slipped through our grasp. So, yeah, definitely, I think, you know, include him in the squad, run the rule over him, and let's see where we, uh, where we go from there. Uh, with the changes in eligibility rules, there's uh, apparently a possibility that Ryan Johansson, formerly of Luxembourg, uh, might be eligible for us once again. He played for the, the under-19s in a friendly and decided he was going to declare for the Republic, but he found that he was actually ineligible under the rules as the FIFA eligibility rules as they stood at the time. Uh, so decided to declare for his uh, his father's country of Sweden. Uh, but speaking on a podcast recently, he mentioned that the paperwork uh, has never been completed. And with the changes in the eligibility rules, he's possibly available to the Irish national side again. Now, this is, you know, I don't expect to this to be resolved in the next two weeks but um it's you know it's something maybe to keep an eye on uh over the the upcoming months just as regards finlands are we the only country that does that talks about you know introducing a player and not actually like you know it's like oh i might you know just talking about a player for so long and then oh we might ask he's young go and ask him if we're limited in what we have on the wing. Like, go and ask him, come to the Qatar game. You know, he's either going to say yes, he's going to say no. Like, it beats playing James McLean or Callum O'Dowd at the moment. And if he's interested, he'll come. And if not, then that's it. It's done. It's put to bed, just like that, within the next few weeks. 
instead of this, you know, dancing around the subject for so long and then watching them, is he going to get better? Is he going to get worse? Or is someone else going to come in? Just go and ask him. Make him put the onus on him to make a decision. I'm sure we're one of the only countries that actually does this. You have to have some foresight to see to see if to to take a chance on a player you can't just wait until they actually become established or more established and then go and ask them i'm sure there's plenty of players that england have gone in for early that maybe mightn't be as good as everyone thought they were early but then have actually turned out to be okay or not turned out to be okay i kind of muddled that a bit but we're basically the only we seem to be the only country that does this not fully to commit to actually asking a player will they come and play for us well Stephen Crawford has spoken to Finn recently now I think there was more of a gauging interest than an, an actual call up though um, we, we just have to wait and see what players he does call up for the for the friendly in Cardiff I wonder if Covid will dare I say throw a spanner in the works given that he's in Spain as well or it, would he be exempt as being a professional athlete or someone like that to you know gain entry into that squad I wonder Possibly. I think uh, I think the the fact that the friendly is being held in Wales is possibly as a result of COVID as well. Don't think too many clubs would be willing to release uh, some of their younger prospects to play a friendly in in Ireland at the moment, and possibly by by just saying, look, the game is going to be in Wales, and you know, will it be adhering to all established protocols uh, in the UK as a compromise? The last podcast was we recorded was two months ago, and. Um, it was to cover Damien Duff stepping down as assistant coach uh, to Stephen Kenny, and we wondered at the time who was going to be appointed, uh, given that um, you know they had also lost uh, their goalkeeping coach uh, Alan Kelly, and since then uh, we've seen Dean Kiley, former Ireland international and, and Crystal Palace goalkeeping coach, brought in. And Chelsea's Anthony Barry uh, has been brought in to replace Damien Duff. Uh, I actually think this is um, an excellent appointment, and possibly, you know, I, I, it's a name that not not too many of us would be familiar with, apart from maybe Chelsea fans. But he seems to be highly regarded within the game in England. Uh, Frank Lampard had him as as part of his coaching staff at Stamford Bridge, and Thomas Tuchel has kept him on since he took over from uh, from Lampard. Mark, you know, one of, one of the last we spoke, you know, you did wonder if Dean Kiley was going to be on the shortlist um, to replace Kelly, but I don't think anyone had Anthony Barry uh, on their shortlist. I don't think so, but I think it's a very shrewd and astute move from the FBI. Let's give him credit. They uh, obviously would have approached him on behalf of Stephen Kenny. Anthony Barry to accept the position, I think, is a very good move. I mean, you know, given I think his track record in Chelsea, you know, and the Chelsea fans I've spoken to have really kind of admired him in terms of what he's done. Like his playing career as well, you know, he's worked very hard as a, in his professional career, you know, kind of lower leagues, you know, but knows application hard work. But again, there's an awful lot of glowing tributes coming from various quarters after the announcement of Anthony Barry and it'd be interesting just to see how he'd kind of work with the likes of a Jason Knight some of the up and coming underage talent here Jason Malumbi as well who to be honest 
from speaking to a few people uh, around Liverpool, knew Anthony Barry said that very similar to Jace Malumbi in terms of very box-to-box player. So um, I'm excited on that appointment, uh, Joe. You know, it's kind of a left-field move, but maybe it's a nice move for someone from outside the camp to come in. You know, spreads a bit of freshness, energy to the thing as well. So, look, and, you know, credentials being a first-team coach to Chelsea speaks volumes. So, looking forward to seeing maybe progression, particularly in the midfield area, continuing the work of Damien Duff. Uh, Bill, this, this appointing Anthony Barry is a, a massive positive for the national side. But, like, as we've mentioned throughout the podcast, naming the squad so late means that, you know, there's reduced time for the new coaches to work with the players. I mean, is that going to be, I mean, how much of an impact do you think that's going to be, um, given that they have less time to get their their ideas to cross across to the players in the training sessions that they will have before kickoff against Serbia? It's hard to know. Like, it, it seems to be their own decision to be naming the, the squad that late. So maybe there's something more to it. Um, how progressive they're actually going to play against Serbia anyway is is another question. So I don't think it'll matter too much, and I don't think we'll see too much of an influence in the first game anyway, because it, you know it will be a tight cagey affair away from home. We've seen it all before. Um, the, my knowledge of Anthony Barry was slim to none before I saw his name pop up, but from obviously from what I've read and what I've seen, it comes across to me as Stephen Kenny's first win. It was a loss that Duff had left, obviously, but but uh, Barry seems to be the perfect foil to replace him. Like he's so young, and obviously, a coach like Tuchel, who is so he's such a progressive manager now, he's one of the top managers in the world. For him to keep him on from the last coaching ticket is a huge plus, and I think it's a bit of a coup for us to get someone as as highly regarded as him so early, and. Hopefully, we'll see an influence. See his influence, maybe in the picking of younger players. Maybe it's 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 hard to know, but I'm sure it's um, I'm sure it's a positive move. Um, and as Mark said as well, someone from outside the the usual names as well. So uh, yeah, it's it's um, yeah, it's a it's a positive move, and one I think that will will stand to us. That could have rumbled on for a long time. And it could have got a bit messy, but they actually they managed to sort it out quickly and with two good appointments to actually start the campaign settled. So that's that's a good win for Kenny. He needed something like that. He needed something to go right from um, because nothing had really been going right from before. So that's that's a huge positive, I think. Yeah, I think definitely the fear was that it was going to drag on even to now. But the fact that they kind of closed off the deals pretty quick, yeah, it can only be a positive for Stephen Kenny. And obviously, Stephen Kenny would have endorsed them. They have to share the same footballing ethos. And that's the key, really. I think, you know, the relationship between Anthony Barry and Kenny will be fascinating, particularly in that midfield final third area to see what else can Anthony Barry bring to the table in terms of final final third final ball maybe movement of the strikers you know because apparently in Ch- Chelsea training sessions he's very much pretty vocal and highlighting in terms of front front players their movement at all times you know looking for the ball stuff like that so it'll be very interesting to see how that kind of seeps into the national side eventually I'd like to thank Mark and Phil for joining me to the, to discuss the upcoming games for the Iron team 
I look forward to dissecting it uh, with you uh, after the after the, the three games are complete. You can follow me uh, at Irish Abroad on Twitter or Irish Football Statistics on Facebook. You can follow Mark at Hawkeye Psychic and Philip is at the Bottomless Pit of Football. The podcast itself is still hosted on Acast, but we've been able to add it to Spotify. So please add us to your podcasts on the app. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon.